I am um, Pastor Jake along with Pastor Jeff. I welcome you if you're somewhat new to our body. Um, we are spending the month on talking about prayer because, as I said last week, it's one of the spiritual disciplines that are like the pillars for all the others. And the disciplines are the things that you bring into your life so that you will have growth. And you want to grow. As a Christian, you want to grow. You don't want to stay the same. Just like physically, you don't want to stay the same forever from baby to adulthood. You want to grow. And so I want to, I want to tell you that that's why we're spending some time on the topic of prayer. Prayer is so essential and our focus not just for January, but because it is the beginning of the year, our focus is on prayer to re-emphasize what our church should be about. It's about the Word and prayer out of which everything else comes. And so, you know, I asked last week in the end, in the application questions, do you even care how much you pray? Or is it just a fleeting thought? Yeah, prayer is good. We do it at church or we do it, you know in Sunday school or things, but do you care about your prayer life and do you invest in it? Are you disciplining yourself to grow in this area? It is so vital for us to be intimate with God. Otherwise, hear this, you will grow apart and you'll be strangers instead of intimate with your Creator. Well, before I start, I wanted to ask, are there any TCU Horned Frog fans here? Jude, you? Jude, my son Jude. That's a surprise. He, uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, our friend Kyle was here playing music for us in place of the McDonald's, and Jeff mentioned that he's a TCU Horned Frog. Is he, is he an alumni, Jeff? Uh, or is he still in school? I, okay. Yeah, so, you know, on the topic of prayer, I really meant to pray for the Horned Frogs last week. I was like, what a great way to apply this topic than to pray for Kyle and the horned frogs. And now I'm thinking, man, I wish we did. Because it was a tough game to watch, wasn't it? But um, thank God we had a Texas team in the, in the, in the championships. And, um, but just, you know, on a side note, we can pray for little things and big things, right? Because our Heavenly Father cares about everything. And part of the focus of the month is that we begin to pray for not just our sniffles and leg pains and you know our family members who may be suffering or have illnesses is that we would actually pray the way God desires us to pray and that is for what he cares about more than anything else and that is his kingdom and his glory do you realize that we are here not for ourselves that we are here to be arrows pointing to heaven. To bring glory to God in everything that we say that we do, that we do in public, that we do in private. That everything is to bring glory to God. And so our prayer should reflect that. So today's topic is what do you pray considering the content of our prayers? By the way, that doesn't mean we shouldn't pray for arthritis and leg pains and sniffles and coughs that aren't going away, things like that. We should pray for all those things. But the most 
important thing that Jesus teaches us in His model prayer, which He taught His disciples to pray, is that we prioritize God above us. And that His glory be above our glory, our wants and desires, that His desires be bigger than everything else. I'm going to touch on a point from last week before jumping into this phrase, hallowed be thy name. That's really the focus of my, um, my topic today and we'll continue one more time next week to, to ask the question, why do we pray? And just to give you a highlight for next week, we pray because Jesus is king and because his kingdom is the kingdom. And we want His kingdom to grow. But what are the content of our prayers? And um, Let me begin by telling you this, and then I'll pray. Do you know the Nicene Creed, which we often use? It was written in the 4th century A.D. I believe it's 325, if if my memory serves me correct. But there were 318 delegates delegates attending that, but fewer than 12 had not lost an eye or lost a hand or did not limp on a leg, lamed by torture for their Christian faith. And that creed, the Nicene Creed, is one of the most powerful creeds in, in um, Christendom that summarizes what we believe to be true about Jesus as the Son of God. And I recognize that so much of the glory to God, even through that little document, has come through the lives of the saints who went through much suffering and trial and difficulty during their lifetimes. As I pray, can you contemplate this question? In all honesty, do you live for your glory or do you live for God's glory? And you know how you can know? Do you embrace the things that God brings into your life? Even the hard stuff? Or do you wish it away? Let's pray. Father, I ask that You will speak to us this morning through Matthew 6. And I ask, Father, that You will soften our hearts and illuminate it through Your Holy Spirit. Father, would You um, help us to understand more greatly of Your heart for us, Your love for us as a Father, and for Your will for us in our prayers to You. So we thank You in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to touch on a question from last week before jumping into Hallowed Be Thy Name. And that was my fourth point. My fourth point was this, the purpose of prayer. So if God knows everything, why should we pray? And I think I highlighted this little statement for you to hear, and that is that prayer is one of God's ordained means of accomplishing His purposes in our lives. God uses our prayers to accomplish what He has already willed and ordained to come to pass for our good and for His glory. And I wanted to just touch on that as we go into this week by giving you a couple of sections of scripture to think about. The first is an example through Daniel. Actually, Pastor Jeff, so uh, by God's sovereignty, used this verse while he was setting up communion for us last week. 
And I was kind of surprised by that because I intended to share it, but he shared it. According to Daniel 9.2, Daniel is praying for the end of Israel's captivity in Babylon. Okay, think about this. So Daniel already knew that God had promised release after 70 years. He already knew that that was going to happen, that God was going to release them and bring them back, right? But it didn't keep him from praying. He prayed three times a day. And so it motivated him to pray, even though he knew what God was going to do. And this is what Daniel 9.3 says, Then I turned my face to the Lord, seeking Him by prayer and please by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And Daniel, as Jeff reminded us, prayed for the repentance within God's people and asked God to relent His wrath at the same time God had promised to release His people from captivity. And so, do you know, even though the Lord knows everything, what He wants us to do is to move to action and not be lazy because, well, He's sovereign. He's going to do whatever He's going to do. I can just sit back. I can be lazy, be calmed into laziness, so to speak. No, He motivates us to be partakers in the kingdom and to pray according to His plan and will for us. God motivates His people to pray for the things that He desires to do already. He brings us into alignment as we pray His desires for us. Let me share one more example of how sovereignty and prayer work together, and then we'll jump into Hallowed Be Thy Name, okay? Listen to this from Luke chapter 10, verse 2. And He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into His harvest. It's not a great verse. You all know this one, right? Pray for more laborers, for God's Word to go out, for the Gospel to be proclaimed, for souls to be saved. So Jesus desires to send out laborers into the harvest field to preach the Gospel and sow the seed of God's Word and to reap a harvest and at the same time, he asks his followers to pray that he would send out workers into his harvest. God accomplishes his purposes in our lives, his ordained good purposes for our lives through our prayers. And so I want you to not give up praying, okay? Yeah, God is absolutely in control of everything. Everything, every detail, every atom, right? There are no maverick molecules in the universe. Remember that? But He wants you to be part of this kingdom work, to pray and to come into alignment with Him. So as we jump into this next section of the content of our prayers and focusing on hallowed be thy name, that God's name be hallowed, I'm going to ask you a question that may, may, be strike, may strike your heart a little bit. Do you think your prayers have really been prayers all this time? those of you who have been believers and going to church all your lives, do you think your prayers have really been prayers all along if you've really just been focusing on you and your gain instead of God's gain? You know, I've often thought about that. It's like all the different things I prayed and God in His mercy has accepted so many of my feeble and weak prayers, but have we truly been praying? Are we ready to really pray now? And so, let me come to the passage for today. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Let me give you one main point for today. And I'm going to title it this way, Glory Be to the Father. Part of my desire for myself and for our church, along with our leadership here, is that we would be people that forget more about ourselves and have focus on God. Wouldn't it be great when people come to our church that they leave by saying not, oh, what great music and what a great sermon, but instead walk away saying, wow, what a great God. Wouldn't that be what our desire would be? That it wouldn't be attention on us, but that people somehow are drawn like moths to a flame toward God. So my title is Glory Be to the Father. And I'm going to break it down into two subsections. The first is Father Knows Best. And secondly, to Him alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen. First, I want to highlight to you that in this little phrase, we're introduced to the important idea that for Christians, God is a Father. You hear what I said? God, through His Word, through Jesus, teaching His disciples, introduces us to this concept that God is actually for us a Father. You know, this past week, we had to rearrange cars because that's what always happens at our house. It's like, who's going to take what car today? And so one of the cars was having some problems and EJ was getting ready to leave and I was thinking, what car do I give him? Well, then there's this car that I really love to drive, but it was the one that was most ready and I was like debating, do I let him take that car the whole semester? I mean, after all, it's just him, right? The rest of us have piles of people that need to get into a car. And I kept thinking and thinking, like, in wisdom, he should probably take that car to drive 10 hours. And it's the one that's most ready. And I don't have anything left to fix on that. The headlights are working and the battery's good and all this stuff. And, you know, for a moment, I thought about keeping it until I realized, but he's my son. And I want him to be safe. And I want him to have a good semester and not get stuck between here and Alabama and have to call me or worry. I want to do what's best for him. Isn't that what we do as parents? We're thinking of our children. We want what's best for them. We desire good things for them. We're not thinking, well, they can get the leftovers and you know we're the first priority. That is not how good fathers are. This phrase, when he talks about father, he is, Jesus is assuring us of God's love towards us. And our affections grow as we realize that. My brothers and sisters who are believers, do you realize that God loves you that deeply as a father more than your earthly father, good or bad, ever was? Now, some of you had great fathers. God is better. Better than the best. Sarah, I think of you and your dad, how much you love your dad. I can see the love between uh, fathers and children, mothers and children. If you've had a good earthly father, God is better, better, better than the ones you've had. But if you had a bad father, if you had a terrible father, if you had bad experiences and you did not experience love We are invited 
by Jesus the Son to learn what a good father is by coming to Jesus and listen and getting to share in Jesus' experience of His Father. And so once again, our confidence is strengthened and our affections are raised toward God the Father. So let me say that again. We can share in Jesus' experience of His Father, who is also now our Father because Jesus is our elder brother. The greatest privilege a human could ever have is to call God Father made possible through the cross and through the shed blood sacrificial death of Jesus, His Son. Now we too are sons and daughters. What does the Bible tell us Jesus is? Our elder brother. The one that says, come, come into the house. Come, let's enjoy being with dad. Be part of it. Offer forgiveness as Ravi prayed. Offer kindness, welcome them in to experience the love of a father. So as I said before, some of us have been through hard things. I had a tough dad. My dad had a dad who was a farmer and he had lost his mom when he was just three. And I'm sure there wasn't a lot of time for affection. But whatever earthly father you had, our heavenly father is so much better. He's thinking of you wanting the best for you, giving up for you, sacrificing for you, wanting and desiring your best always. That's the kind of father we have. He is the perfect father. He never gets moody or lashes out in anger. There's been a few times I've had to repent of that. I said, sorry that I was so moody this morning. I'm sorry that I said that. But we have a loving, perfect Father. Can I share with you a verse? 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. So what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God? And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. Beloved, who hear me this morning, we are God's children. Therefore, He has the best in store for us as we trust Him and obey Him every single day. So, question, do you know God this way as your Father? Are you scared of Him? You know, stay away from Him. Don't go to His door. Have you entered into that same kind of experience that Jesus had with His Father who loves us with an eternally powerful and deep love for our best and later our best now and for later? Well, you can come to do that. You can come to know God as Father if you come to Jesus and share in that experience. So let me say that first. Now let me come to this phrase, hallowed be your name. The shorter catechism in our church 
we use something called the Westminster Shorter Catechism and the Westminster Larger Catechism and our Confession of Faith, which are basically second to the Bible or tertiary, whatever you want to call it, are summaries of what God's Word teaches us. And the Catechism number one is what, that is well known to all of us and ask the question, what is the chief end of man? And the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Listen, to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. The model prayer that Jesus gives us in Matthew 6 does not begin with us. You notice that? It begins with God. It doesn't begin with us. We have a part in praying that His name be hallowed and in other words, that He would be glorified. That He would be honored that he would be esteemed, that he would be made much of. I used to have a parishioner in our church plant who always used to pray this, Lord, we pray that much would be made of you. And I often used to wonder, what does that mean? I think it means less of us, more of you. I think it's John the Baptist's word, Lord, you must increase and I must decrease. Is that how we live? Come on, be honest for a minute. Aren't we glory hogs? I am. There are lots of times I want to be heard and known and seen. But the right prayers are the ones where we kind of take our eyes off of us and put it rightly on God and say, you alone deserve the honor and the glory and the praise and dominion forever and ever. Praise be. Glory to the Father. Well, let me share with you for a moment the thrust or perhaps the unfolding of hallowed be your name, is that we would pray that God would honor and glorify himself through his people. This section was actually quite convicting and challenging for me because I'm going through the death of an older brother right now. I don't have older brothers directly. I have a cousin brother who is like the closest person I have to being a brother. He was the one who was always there whenever something major happened in my life. And uh, he's dying right now. They just brought him home from Baylor Plano. And he's at home. He wanted to be home. He's in hospice. And I got to take the night shift a couple of nights ago and stay with him. And my heart broke as I realized he's not going to be there for the other important things in my life. The Lord sees fit to take him. And I had to ask the Lord, Lord, why? Why such a good man? So generous, so kind. Such a lover of the church and you and your word. And um, really struggled with why God does that to such good people. Believers. People who help the church. People who care for the poor. People who don't say bad things about each other. Good-hearted people. Why does God sometimes allow that to happen? At a younger age even, you know? I struggled with that. And this week's preparation really softened my heart towards the Lord. To raise my own affections toward Him as I began to take my eyes off of me and started thinking, you want to be glorified and you will be glorified. No one can stand in your way. Listen, the thrust of hallowed be your name means that whatever God sends our way is an answer to that prayer. 
that whatever God sends our way is an answer to that prayer. Because in His providence and sovereignty, this is exactly how He wants us to glorify Him. That's why He's sent that your way. That's why this is happening. That's why those loved ones are dying. That's why you're going through what you're going through is because God is going to be glorified in His sovereignty by bringing these particular things into our lives. So we are called to honor Him by obeying His commands. We're called to honor Him by growing in our faith, by understanding and learning the Word and being with other believers. But listen, also, we are called to honor Him in times not just of peace, but of difficulty. Whatever God's sovereignty brings our way, it's an answer to this prayer that God's name be hallowed. Do you know what we're saying? We're saying that however God chooses to make His name great, that you and I are called to embrace it and thank God for it. Not only does God control all the molecules, but they are the best thing for His name and the best things for us. I don't always believe that. I don't always agree with that. But whatever He sends our way is so that His name will be glorified and He knows what's best for us because He is a Father who does not hold back the best car or the best things He loves you too much. Romans 8. How can I not read this? And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose, for those whom He foreknew. By the way, He knew us. Even before we were made. Even before we were in our mother's womb. For those He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. So this is what I want you to be aware of as we listen to this passage. Beware that you're not too quick to pray away the things that are in your life right now. Beware that you're not too quick to seek to pray away the times of trial. Instead, maybe our prayer should sound like this. You ready for this? God, please show me how I can honor you through this trial. And if you don't want to, don't remove it. (laughs) I do want cancer to be taken away from my older brother, my cousin brother. By the way, let me tell you a quick story about my older brother. His name is Abraham. He worked in the subway system in New York, was a faithful worker. He never took a day off unless he really needed to, and he got exposed to asbestos in the subway and developed something called mesothelioma. Followed me to Texas a few years ago because he wanted to be nearby with his sons, and just, you know, just in June, he started feeling weak, and they discovered that he's got stuff in his abdomen, and it's spreading. And I, I asked God, so wait, so he was faithful all those years, doing his hard work, 
being a good comrade and, and serving and working and taking care of his family, and now this, Lord. Whatever God chooses to bring into our lives is an answer to this prayer so that His name will be glorified and somehow it is even for our best. You know, as I've seen many, many, many people come from New York and Jersey and other places to come and, and uh, see Him, I hear the testimonies of God's grace. I said, there was a man who never took sides in church. He didn't play politics. He just loved the Lord and was faithful and loved people. And now throngs of people are coming just to say goodbye. Maybe it's so that God's name will be honored. But I'm going to miss him. But the Lord brings things so that his name will be glorified even when I don't understand it. Listen to Jesus' own words. This is John chapter 12, okay? Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? This is Jesus' own words. John 12, 27 to 28. But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify Your name. Isn't that a beautiful prayer? Coming from the Son of God. My soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify Your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. So, friends, are you ready to really pray? You know what that means. It means that you will say, you don't have to take this away. I'd like you to take this away. But if this is how you are going to bring glory to yourself and even shape me and make me even better, then embrace it and thank Him for it. Are you ready to pray, hallowed be your name? If so, you're, it means that you're willing to trade your comfort for God's fame and you're ready to go through much deep waters if God chooses so. Jesus went through this with one of His own disciples. So I, I thought about sharing this, and I'm going to take a moment to just share this. One of His own disciples had this dilemma. Matthew 16, verses 21 to 23. I'm talking about Peter. From that time, Jesus began to show His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took Him aside and began to rebuke Him, saying, Far be it from You, Lord! This shall never happen to You. Basically, you know what Peter is saying? I'm not going to let that happen. I'm not going to let You. I'm going to stand in the way. This should not happen. It will not happen if I have anything to do with it over my dead body. You're going to go to Jerusalem and get killed. But he, Jesus, turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance for me. For you're not setting your mind on things of God, but on the things of man. You know what's, on, what's in view here when we pray this prayer? Eternity. Eternity is in view when we pray this. Because God knows what He's doing through the death of His Son. 
And God knows what He's doing through your setback and your illness and the death of that one that you love so much and all the struggles and all the pain and all the difficulties. He knows what He's doing because He's renewing the world. He's going to conquer sin and death finally and forever. And He's going to establish a new kingdom for us and we are going to be partakers of it all. Would you rather have the world you can make or the world that God can make? Which one would you rather have? Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 to 18, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us. Do you hear that word? Preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. You know, when we're going through these hard things, we don't know specifics of what God's doing. You know, I'm thinking of real, real tough things. I'm not talking about your car breaking down. I'm talking about when you discover that the person you love or someone that you care about or maybe yourself or something very important to you is you're about to go through a massive trauma struggle. And it hurts beyond our ability to endure. But we can honor God's name in the midst of it, even though we don't know the specifics of the things that are seen but you can trust in your heavenly Father and keep your eyes on Him because of an eternity that's coming. So pray for God's name to be famous and His glory to be revealed in and through us and in the church forever. Let me read this to you from Peter later on in his life. The same Peter 1 Peter chapter 4, 10 and 11. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. This isn't just for pastors and elders and deacons and ministry leaders, this is for every believer to pray. Lord, You be glorified instead of me. Lord, You be prioritized instead of me. And the right response from us is my pain is great, but God is greater. My pain is great, but God is greater. The glory of God is infinitely greater. I'm going to end just for a moment with, um, with something I read from Martin Luther. And then we'll pray. And next week we'll think a little bit about the kingdom. And beginning to prayer, kingdom prayers. But let me end with this. This is Martin Luther. If we consider the greatness and the glory of the life we shall have when we have risen from the dead, it would not be difficult at all for us to bear the concerns of this world. If I believe the word, I shall on the last day after the sentence has been pronounced, not only gladly have suffered ordinary temptations, insults, and imprisonment, but I shall also say, 
oh, that I did not throw myself under the feet of all the godless for the sake of the great glory which I now see revealed, which has come to me through the merit of Christ. God is working, friends, through everything that He is sending into your life right now. Will you embrace it and thank Him for it and say you are answering this prayer in your way? Father, we ask that You will continue to hold us close to You. Lord, we have much to learn, much to grow. Continue to grow us in discipleship. But Lord, make us happy. Help us to be able to pray this prayer. Hallowed be Your name. Lord, do what You need to do in our church. Lord, do what You need to do in us until our very hearts are all about You. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.